Hi, I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for listening to this podcast. There are many more podcasts available at MyFaithRadio.com. Your support makes this possible. Thank you. And a warm welcome to the afternoon show. I'm Bill Arnold, and I'm glad it's Monday because we get to be together again. And I've got a great show for you because that's what I do just for you. I've got Patrick Albanese already chomping at the bit to come on, and he uh, <laughs> can hardly wait. So uh, without further, what's that French word? Adieu. Uh, you can bid somebody adieu. Uh, why you would can you do say that, without further adieu. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I know. How about, here's Patrick. How about that? I just cut yeah, without the chase. How about... Yeah, and instead of ado, without further hubbub. No, I like that too. It, don't they mean the same thing? Yeah. yeah, I like that too. Well, Patrick, mm-hmm. as you know, today is uh, October thirty first, and I didn't have the time. I didn't have time to shop for candy, so I think I'm just going to give out IOUs tonight. Should go over well I with think, the kids. I can't imagine it will go over very well. <laughs> well, the only thing I have yeah. left to do when I get home is make up some more IOU notes, and then get that bucket of soapy water ready to clean the eggs off my house. Yeah, although, you know, with the cost of eggs these days, <laughs> you know, I, I love it because the kids now throw plastic eggs. It doesn't do much damage, uh, but it's really great. You collect those for Easter. Uh, yeah. So I mean, the price of eggs has gotten to the point where I actually check a carton now. <laughs> just to make sure none of them are cracked, right? Yeah. You know, it used to be, eh, whatever. The eggs <laughs> are 89 cents. $4. There's yeah. got to be 12 good eggs in here. You know, Patrick, I know you know this, but the studio that I, I work out of is at on campus at the University of Northwestern, and the students here are some of the most polite people I've ever met, which is really encouraging. So I'm walking into the yeah. building today, and this guy holds the door for me, and I thought, isn't that nice? Then he said, I like your costume, which was a bummer because I'm not wearing one. No, no. <laughs> I have a similar experience, you know. My my kids, the other day, come to me. My son comes. He says, hey, can I buy your old man costume for Halloween? <laughs> what what is said, your uh, old man costume? Is that like well, your current what I, wardrobe? I said, what is, I said, what is my old man costume? And he walks me into my closet. He goes, maybe one of these will do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah, that's. Uh, I think he ended up going as the Terminator, which I, I you know, it's just, uh, you know, it's, it's funny. My daughter puts a lot of thought into the costume. My son says, I'm putting in the minimum amount to get the most candy. Uh, you know, one year he got one of those, one year he got one of those inflatable costumes. It was a chicken. Uh, in fact, he, he, he and his friends made a video of him riding a bike as the chicken last night because he dug out the old costume. But uh, I would try to discourage him from the inflatable chicken costume. I said, you're just not going to be able to get from house to house too swiftly. <laughs> and so, I, we, yeah, about, a, about four houses in, he said, this is the worst costume ever. Yeah, everybody loves it. But, you know, my friends are gone and I've collected no candy. Yeah. So uh, he, he took that as a lesson. And now it's amazing. Um, so we have limited hours of Halloween here. We just do six to eight. And you did it Saturday and, night, didn't you? Oh, we did it last night. Oh, Sunday last night. night. Okay. Yeah, we do. Yeah, night before. Yeah, a, a librarian I think invented beggars' night here because many moons ago uh, there was you know so many shenanigans going on on Halloween night. She said there should be you know a, a time for the kids to go out and collect candy. So she came up with this concept that uh, the kids would go out the night before. They call it beggars' night, and uh, in addition 
to uh, trick-or-treating, they had to tell a joke. <laughs> they got to the door. So I, of course, look forward to this day with a pen in hand for lots <laughs> of good material. <laughs> I was wondering where you get your material, but now I know. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm stocked up. Although, you know, the, the quality of the jokes, uh, you know, one kid yesterday, I, I said, well, you have a joke, and uh, um, he says, yeah, uh, what did the cat say to the cow? You know, so I think about it. I, I can't really come up with the answer. And I say, oh, well, what? He says, meow. I said, all right. So I bring the kid in. I sit him down with pen and paper. So let me understand, explain <laughs> how a joke works. <laughs> let me explain the structure of a joke. You see, there's got to be a surprise in there somewhere. <laughs> you know, one of those things that makes you kind of hit your head and say, oh, that's so clever. Yeah. And, and, and I don't want you to go walk away feeling poorly. Right. Yours did not meet the criteria of a joke. Yeah. But uh, he, he take sh- three pieces of candy because nobody's showing up today. <laughs> right. He should have said, why do fish swim in salt water? Because pepper makes them sneeze. See, that's a great joke. Well, I mean, that would have that would have worked for that kid. You know, it doesn't yeah, work for well, you or me, but it would have worked for him. Because we're no, professionals. Professionals, <laughs> yes. But this is how we got our start. <laughs> yeah, we did get our start that way. Yeah, yeah, telling the same old uh, jokes that the kids are telling today. Yeah. I don't even think my kids, they, you know, prepared a joke. They said, we're just, you know, just give us the candy. Yeah. And uh, and no one gets hurt, I think, is how it now works. <laughs> I'm not... So, uh, but, speaking of October yeah. 31st, what famous person died on this day? Well, of uh, I'm, I'm, there's probably more there, than one, right? There's more than one, but given the fact you and I uh, yes. have a certain... Uh, proclivity to a certain profession, I'm going to give you yes. three guesses. The first two don't count. Yeah, it would have to be Harry Houdini. Exactly. You know, exactly. Harry Houdini died today. In, you know? in what year? Do you remember? Uh, 1926. That's correct. At age 52. 52 is correct. Ding, 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 ding. And did you know yes. what the name Houdini means? Because yes. his, his real he, name he, was... Eric Weiss. Eric Weiss. Yes. Uh, and there are uh, various takes of him having been you know, raised in New York and then also Appleton, Wisconsin. There is a there is a Harry Houdini Museum in Appleton, Wisconsin. And, uh, you know, if you have a spare seven to eight minutes, you can get through it because it's pretty small. <laughs> um, but uh, he changed his name because he was a big fan of the French magician Robert Houdin. Mm-hmm. I think it was yeah, he was French, right? Yes, he was. And um, back then, by putting an I on the end of a name, it meant like, meant akin to. So uh-huh. he he took the name Houdin, added an I to become Houdini, yeah. meaning like Houdin. And of course, uh, kind of impetuous of a young kid to say, you know, I'm just like one of the greatest magicians of all time so far. <laughs> Yeah, And all I had to do was add an I to the end of his name. And then I don't know where he got Harry from. I think he just said, well, that that rolls well. It Harry does roll. Houdini. It does roll well. And he yep. was an escape artist. I think a lot of people give him credit for being a magician, but mostly he would do stunts and have escapes, which were Trem- really spectacular. Yes. Yeah, tremendous at publicity. He knew how to draw a crowd. He, would, you know, all of a sudden he's hanging upside down from a crane, a hundred feet in the air, escaping from a straitjacket, or being tossed into a river inside of a crate to escape from. Mm-hmm. A gift for showmanship. You know, he would. 
they were, he had this famous milk can escape and mm. you know, they, they would start with having people hold their breath, see how long they could hold their breath. And then he'd get in there and they'd say, well, I think I can go three minutes and that's how long I have to escape from this thing. And they put it behind a, a curtained, uh, a backdrop and he could get out in mere seconds and yeah. then he would sit down in a chair with comic books or the newspaper and he would read until he heard the audience on the outside of the curtain screaming in terror, like, you got to get him out of there. You got to get him out of there. And then he'd slick back his hair with some water and he'd come bursting through the curtain, huffing and puffing like, I just did it. I just made it. <laughs> See, I always Tremendous thought, showman. I always yeah. thought he went into the milk can with a bag of chocolate chip cookies and he just would drink the milk. See, this is how yeah. confused I was about that whole illusion. Yeah, well, a good chocolate chip cookie will actually absorb the milk, and that gives you a little bit more breathing room inside that. Have you ever – so I um, – at, at at the Magic Castle, they have one of his uh, milk cans. And I you know, Harry Houdini was not a big guy. He was kind of a little guy. Five I, I don't, I don't six. Know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and he looks very muscular in photos, mm -hmm. but uh, he was kind of a little guy. But I looked at this milk can, and from the outside looking in – I had claustrophobia. Oh, I know. It is frightening yep. that I, I, uh, you can rig that thing to, 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 you can make it out of paper and I wouldn't feel comfortable inside of it. <laughs> it was terrifying. Mm -hmm. I said, he did stuff like that regularly. Yeah. They actually say he was not that good of a magician. Yeah. Great escape artist, great publicity seeker. And then he uh, had a, he was challenged by someone to be able to, withstand a couple of hits to the belly because he could yep. flex his abdominal muscles. And this guy let loose and gave him a good uh, whack into the stomach. And then he did it a second time and, and Houdini was not prepared the second time. And no. he was injured. And this was after a show. And he ended up dying later that night. And I don't know if it was because of the punch, but it, he had a, a ruptured appendix. Appendix? Peritonitis. Peritonitis, yeah. What, you go to medical yeah, school I, on me? You know, I did when I was nine, and I got my <laughs> Harry Houdini book. <laughs> yeah, it was, you know, that was always one of those, you know, the, you're a little kid, and I, I was a big fan of Houdini, and I had, you know, the, the Houdini books when I was very, very young, and I'd read these things, and then I would throw words like peritonitis around, and, you know, if ever my brothers, you know, I had two older brothers, and, you know, sometimes you don't get along, and if ever they, uh, you know, went to punch me in the stomach, I'd say, whoa, 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 that's how Houdini died. <laughs> 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 Did it ever stop them from going ahead? With never it? really, never really had the uh, the intended effect. I thought that, you know, if I, you know, threw some big names around, that uh, perhaps <laughs> it could stop the onslaught, but it did not. Yeah. Well, my my wingman Terry just said I'll be changing my name to Terry Arnoldi. 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 Oh. Just add an I on the end, and there you go. Just now add an I on the end. Now he's got now he's got a showman's name. That's awesome. In the manner of Allah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. All right, Patrick, let me uh, take that break. And then when we come back, we'll talk about something serious, which gives us exactly <laughs> 90 like seconds to come up with something. Uh, good luck to you. <laughs> <laughs> Be right back. <laughs> Faith Radio and Afternoons with Bill podcasts are available because of listener support. If you are a supporter, thank you so much. Becoming a supporter today by visiting myfaithradio.com. What would you do with a brain if you had one? Do? 
Why, if I had a brain, I could... I could while away the hours, conferring with the flowers, consulting with the rain. And my head, I'd be scratching while my thoughts were busy hatching if I only had a brain. And that theme song is for Patrick Albanese, my friend and colleague from the great state of Iowa and the prestigious town of West Des Moines. And yes. Patrick, uh, I always say that a merry heart is like good medicine, because I get that right from Proverbs. And I think with all that's going on in the world, it's nice to have a little levity. So thank you it for is, yeah. participating oh. in that. Yeah, I mean, we have about a week of these political ads left, right? I think it's a week, yeah. Yeah, roughly. You know, it's funny. I um, I haven't seen too many of the, the you know, the ones with the celebrities uh, telling me, you know, what to think. So, of course, I have absolutely no idea how to vote on anything yet, you know, uh, until <laughs> I, I, a celebrity. And I'm, of course, I have standards, so B-list celebrities or higher only, please, mm-hmm. because if I have to look you up on IMDb, then I can't take your advice too seriously. But, uh, yeah, you know, it's I, I, the only thing I figured out is uh, I'm voting yes on proposition no. That's the way. I got that one covered. Yeah. Or it might have been no on yes. I can't remember anymore. Yeah. But uh, – you need to yeah. figure that out because that would be important. Yeah, it's, the, the political ads, I'm sure they're the same up there. They're they're all this person's wrong and too extreme and everybody's, you know, horrible. And so I often wonder, I don't know if it changes many minds after a while. You're all running the same ad and, uh, you know, it's uh, – I, I just I, – I think people kind of just they say, well, what do you stand for? If I could just get to that point. <laughs> yeah. You know, so yeah, yeah there'll be fun to have that a, over with. A lot of outrageous claims that you hear on those political ads, you know. Right, something about grandma and a dog yeah. food and, and a cliff <laughs> or something like that. Well, you know, but you know, it's... they want to take away your oxygen. Right, they want to take. They're going to tax your oxygen <laughs> from France. They're going to be in France when they do it. Right, right. <laughs> it's, it's always like, oh, France? Are you kidding me? <laughs> I mean, I was okay up until you said France, and then you're going to leave the country and take tax my oxygen? Yeah, That's it's, outrageous. It's the fear-mongering that I think is they're good at. Yeah, I don't know. I don't get too scared anymore. Yeah. I, you know, it's, uh, you know, like I said, I grew up with two brothers, and, you know, I couldn't stop the Houdini onslaught, so. Uh, yeah. Speaking of yeah. Houdini, I had a listener, uh, Jay wants to know, uh, you guys, do you remember the movie about him that came out many years ago? I don't remember Tony when. Tony Curtis. But had that riveting winter escape scene. I was a little kid when I first saw it, and it had me amazed. I think that, so it was Tony Curtis, and uh, if that's the one, I mean, that's the one that came out many, many moons ago mm-hmm. that uh, made people think that he died in the water torture cell, hung upside down in a, a thing of water. Uh, you know, people say, oh, wow, that's terrible. It's, no, he always escaped from that thing, uh, you see, because he was an escape artist, <laughs> uh, with the exception of being punched in the stomach. Uh, but I remember because uh, I think there were scenes leading up to it where he was taking, sitting in the tub with ice, Ooh. Uh, with just, you know, in these freezing tubs of water. And if memory served correctly, I'm trying to remember when the first ice maker was made because I don't know if it was <laughs> – I don't know if they had an ice machine or an automatic ice maker in 1915 when he was hanging out in the tub with these beautiful ice cubes. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but um, it, yes, it was frightening because yeah. he was getting used to the lake water. 
Oh, interesting. It was going to be, was going to be in the, they were going to cut a hole in the ice, I believe, and drop him in. Hmm. And he almost didn't make it as uh, I think the movie at least portrayed him, you know, going to those, you know, how you always watch a movie and you say, okay, so if I ever get trapped in a car underwater, make sure to go to the front left tire and get the air out of the tire. That's where I get my first thing of air. <laughs> and then mm-hmm. up underneath the ice, you look for that secret bubble of air that somehow or another got trapped in the winter and you find six or seven of those until you find the hole in the ice and that's how Houdini escaped. Huh. I did not know that. Yeah. You're you're a wealth it, of information today. I am bankrupt of information, <laughs> actually. <laughs> but in a short amount of time, not only will the horror movies that they started playing over the weekend will be will have run their course, but the political odds will be gone too. They had over the weekend Na- Nightmare on Elm Street Part Five. I'm thinking Part Five. Who's still living on this block? Move to yeah. Oak Street. Do something. Change realtor. I know. I mean, so imagine. Uh, obviously, there's going to be some tremendous deals on, on Elm Street. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when you do when you do the sales comps for Elm Street, you're going to say this is interesting. <laughs> you know, people are letting these houses go for a song. I know what is up with this. Yeah. Now, am I going to have any trouble with the neighbors? There are no neighbors. <laughs> no, nobody lives here. What house do you want? Would you like right. to buy the whole street? Uh, is there is there something I should know? No, not really. Nothing. Uh, I read some stuff in the paper. No. Yeah. I, yeah. There's still, uh, you know, I, I don't know. You know, it's they, there was a funny commercial this year where the kids are saying, you know, should we get into that vehicle that's running and leave? No, we should go hide behind the chainsaws. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that makes me laugh. I've I never got into those movies. I, I, I didn't either. I, I've. I've seen no Freddy Krueger. I've no, seen no Mike. I've I've no never interest. seen a Friday the Hollow. I've never seen him. I I don't like to be scared. I don't want to have any connection to anything satanic, demonic, anything, nothing. I want none of that. Yeah, and 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 you know, if I'm going to a theater and I have a thing of popcorn, I'd like it to stay in the container. Exactly. Uh, you spill stuff. Yeah. Exactly. I think Jaws was the scariest movie I have ever scene yes and that one was that was pretty bad i saw it in a completely packed theater like at the 9 30 feature and there was a woman that i didn't know sitting to my left and when that little head popped out uh yeah she drove her nails into my into my arm well at least you didn't have the guy behind me who was resting his feet on the back of my chair and he kicked me in the head (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's when movie going was a contact sport yeah, he, he kicked me a second time uh, when the shark jumped out of the water, when they were throwing the chum in the water. And uh, so I I still got the neck brace. It was was it was a long, <laughs> long recovery from yeah. Jaws for me. And now they've got these theaters where you can practically sit on barca loungers and they bring you food. This is a whole different experience. I know. They're heated and air-conditioned and uh, we it, it's it's almost like staying home to watch a movie. <laughs> And then why wouldn't you stay home? Of course, I'm not a movie guy anymore. I used to like movies, but I don't go to movies anymore. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, a family of four, it's quite the investment. And uh, you think, well, I could just, plus a lot of them, you can just say, we could go to the theater, just watch this at home. I think we watched the new Jurassic Park in a hotel room. said it was across the street in a theater. And we were in a hotel room. We said, we can watch it here for $20. (laughs) Or we can cross the street. And watching the theater f- for the four of us, and then we'll buy some things. It'll be sixty dollars. Mm-hmm. Let's just stay here because I'm going to fall asleep during it anyway. 
<laughs> yeah, but you're not seeing as big a screen in the hotel room, but I suppose that's part of the experience is the huge picture and the, and the surround sound and all that. Uh, I get pretty close. <laughs> you know, you, you move on up, you slide the beds and so there, you know, it, it appears big. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm not. I, I, I still like movies, but uh, you know, I find I'm just behind on everything. You know, I mean, I still haven't seen the TV show Friends. I don't think I've ever seen an episode of that either. Yeah, so I, I don't know what's going on in the world. Yeah, you know, uh, you know yeah, that you're not in touch when you hear about people retiring that you've never heard of. Yes. And, and then you say, should I be retired? I'm not entirely <laughs> That guy came along after me and he's done already. Yeah. I'm not sure. You know, at least, okay. So at my advanced years, I finally did discover, you know, when you're a kid and you're in school and you say, when am I ever going to use algebra? Right. It's algebra. Come on. You make me take algebra. When am I going to use this? I, it finally hit me the other day. I needed algebra desperately. Why? I'm in the paper towel aisle and I'm trying to figure out three rolls equals seven, two rolls <laughs> equals four. Five, <laughs> six rolls equals eleven. Which one's the better deal? <laughs> yes. So I uh, I used algebra. You're you've always been pretty good in math. So yeah. I'm sure you got the best deal out there, didn't you? I did get the best deal out there. I uh, I said it's a select a size, uh, and uh, I go by the number of sheets per roll, mm. and I can do the math. And uh, it really there is a way to save approximately twelve cents. Yeah, I like that. So that was an hour of time well invested. Yeah. So next week we will uh, be talking about the following day election. And I know what's on the top of a lot of voters' minds is the economy and inflation and gas prices and food prices. And I'm yeah. be very con- interested to see what happens in a week or so. Yeah. I, I, I think, you know, it, it'll be nice to also put it all to rest and say, okay, you know, if some new people get brought in. You say, okay, we gave you a chance. Let's see what you can do. Mm-hmm. You know, work your magic here. Yeah. And in the meantime, we've got uh, game three of the world series tonight. Oh, it's, uh, you know, by the way, your Minnesota Vikings. They're looking. I'm okay. sorry. I, I, I didn't, uh, I didn't see that one. I didn't see that one coming I did, at all. They look very good. So they uh, do look good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wish that you could, you know, be more like me and enjoy the freedom that comes with being the fan of a losing team. <laughs> right. Cause all the pressure is already off for you. All the pressure is already off. Yeah. I will not have an end of the season letdown. Right. You have that coming. Yet. I know <laughs> that I'm aware of. Yeah. Yes. It's coming. Yeah. Well, Patrick, thanks so. for a few laughs today. It's been nice to get things started on a lighter note, which I, I enjoy. Yes. Yeah. Uh, me too. Thank you for having me. Yep. We'll talk to you later. Be here. See ya. Yep. Patrick Albanese has been my guest. He is not only a friend, but a comedian and a performer and all around great guy. But we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to continue our series on new friends, same seven questions with our friend, Pastor Tom Parrish. Now, as you know, October is Pastor Appreciation Month, and I've got a surprise for Tom. So don't go anywhere. I'll be right back in just a minute. But I also want to remind you that if you have not gotten the Faith Radio app, I would encourage you to do so because it is not only convenient, but it's got all the uh, shows on it and you can uh, access all kinds of incredible uh, Faith Radio stuff. So we'll take a break. We'll be right back with Pastor Tom Parrish.
It's the afternoon show with Bill Arno. Drive time, drive time. Let's get it started. Jump in your car. What's for dinner? It's the afternoon show with Bill Arno. I have been certainly enjoying this little mini-series I've been doing called New Friend, Same Seven Questions. I think it gives us a chance to flex our apologetics muscle and be reminded that we're going to be dealing with these kinds of questions when we share our faith. And it's really smart to have a good answer when you hear these questions. And because it is Pastor Appreciation Month, I thought no better time than to celebrate Pastor Tom Parrish. So, Tom, welcome. Bill, good to be with you. Thank you. Yeah, I want you and your wife to go to Hawaii. At your expense. Oh, we'd love to at go. your expense. Thank you. Yeah. I'm ready to go. <laughs> All right. Well, good. That was my big thank surprise. You. Yeah. Thank you. It's wonderful. Yeah. And I, I think it's so important when people get in discussions with uh, friends, relatives, colleagues about their faith. And sometimes people come out with a question that they, they feel not equipped to answer. So I thought, I'm going to keep asking these same questions because they come up often in conversation. And I'm going to ask all kinds of different people, uh, what they, how they would respond. So thank you for agreeing to do this today, and let's get started. All right, question number one, Tom Parrish, is man separated from God? You know, the theme of the Bible, all the books of the Bible emphasize our alienation from the Lord because of sin. Matter of fact, I was looking at Psalm 51, uh, King David writes, he says, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Not that she was the sinner, but that he was actually born with sin is the emphasis there. And uh, I love Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But Bill, let me tell you how I learned this truth. I have three sons. They're all adults. I never had to teach them to say no to mom and dad. They learned it all on their own from very early on, and they showed stubbornness and self-will and a determination to be their own leader. And I think that's human nature, because we are sinful creatures, and because we are not with the mind of the Lord from the beginning, we need a Savior. And that's what the Bible teaches, and we are very much separated from Him. But there is an answer, and His name is Jesus. Yeah, if you put a toy between a couple of two-year-olds, it's usually not going to be, not going to go well, right? No, it's a little bit of a war, Mm -hmm. you know, and they will fight over that toy. They will fight for what they want. Uh, That is just part of our nature, whether we like it or not. Yeah. And my thing with my boys is I teaching them to do good was always the challenge. I never had to teach them to do thing, anything that was selfish, self-centered, or anything along that line. So, yeah, I learned a lot about them and a lot about myself. Mm-hmm. So, Tom Parrish, as I asked the question, is man separated from God? What happens when somebody says to you, well, we're all God's children. We're all... You know, you know, I hear that language. No, the Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible teaches that we're all God's creation, but that we are his children when we put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's a big difference between me saying, hey, I'm a member of uh, this family, but it's another matter to say I am the son of this particular man. And the Bible is emphasizing that being a child of God is in their relationship with Jesus who opens that door through adoption. We're not just there by ourselves, but we are his creation. And there's no question about that. Mm-hmm. And I love John chapter 1, verse 12, that says, Yet yep. to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So we're all it's image, really, we're image yep. bearers, but we're not children until we're adopted into his family. 
Exactly. Exactly. And there's power in that. And once people understand that, Bill, they have a whole new life. Yeah, I agree. All right. Tom Parrish, question number two. And sometimes these questions have more than one part, just so you know. Question two is, what is the fate of the lost? Well, if you're lost, the Bible means by that terminology that you have not received the Lord Jesus Christ as the one and only Savior. You know, it's interesting. I hear people quote Jesus all the time, Bill, but they don't understand that Jesus is very serious when he says, I am the way, the truth, and life. No one, no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is very exclusive. So if you don't know him, you're lost in sin, you're lost in yourself, you're lost right now, and you're lost for eternity. And it's a pretty tough place to be, and I always want to see people come out of that. But I'm not lost. I'm head of a CEO of a huge Fortune 500 company, and you don't know the work I do and how important I am. Well, I appreciate that, but you know what? That's temporary, Bill. You're only going to do that for so many years, but you've got a whole eternity to explain why you did not submit to the Lord Jesus Christ, why you did not confess your sins, why you did not realize that you want to be in charge. Mm-hmm. Once you realize that and submit to Jesus, then the tables are turned completely around and you're no longer lost. So, Tom, is pride um, and self-importance a big stumbling block? I think it is for most people. Uh, it's in all of us to some degree. Some express it different than others. But yes, it is there. And gaining the humility of Jesus is not an easy thing to do, even when you you know, have received him as Lord and Savior, because our nature wants to work against that. I don't know about you, Bill. I've been in a lot of arguments with people over the years, and I always want to be right. <laughs> True humility, though, is when I'm willing to submit to the truth of Jesus mm-hmm. and admit I was wrong. Yeah. And when we get there, then we're starting to really live. Yeah. All right. Part B of that question, what is the fate of the lost? Part B, Tom, is what are we saved from? You know, I was looking at the Bible earlier, thinking about these kind of topics, and Matthew 24, Jesus talking to, talks about the sheep and the goats, and then he says to those on his left, depart from me, you cursed into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. In other words, if you don't know him, and he doesn't know you, your eternity is literally separated from him, and you will be with literally the devil and the angels in this eternal fire. Um, matter of fact, Second Thessalonians says this, they will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. I can't imagine what that's like, but I'll be honest, Bill, I have been with people who have attempted suicide and were rescued, and how many of them have told me they experienced hell before they were revived and came back to life. Wow. So there's a reality here. I see it. I've talked to a lot of people, and I just pray, folks, don't let yourself ever go there submit to Jesus now while you have the chance. Mm-hmm. Tom, I bet a lot of listeners are frightful of loved ones who are outside of God's family right now. I bet the list, most listeners are inside the family of God, and hearing this is freaking them out a little bit because they have loved ones outside the family. You know, I would rather tell people the truth of what's really in reality than to give them a fictitious story to make them feel better now. Here's what it comes down to. I I have relatives, even though I'm a pastor, that have lived their whole life, rejected Jesus, and died, even though they were given an invitation. That's painful. But the one thing I learned is that my responsibility as a parent, as a son, as a husband, is to give people as many opportunities to hear about Jesus and respond to him as I can, so they don't have that issue when that last moment comes. 
And I have been with two people on their deathbed, both claiming to be atheists, who at the last minute begged the Lord to forgive them, mm. and it was to lead them in prayer and faith to Jesus, wow. and they died literally in my arms. Wow. That is a moment of Holy Spirit clarity, isn't it? Oh, woke me up to a lot of things. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, Tom Parrish, what is the point? Here's the next question. What is the point a person is saved, and how does that happen? Well, you know, I, I listen to Jesus' words. I, I love the Gospel of John. You know that. I, I tell people, read the Gospel of John. And I've memorized this one, John five twenty four. I say it to a lot of people. Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. And I went back and looked up, you know how I love the Greek, that word has, and it's continuous and ongoing. The moment you believe, you have passed from death to life, and you are saved from that eternal punishment, and you are now a member of the kingdom of God. And so I encourage people, do it, do it now, confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart, he rose, risen from the dead, and you're going to have freedom now, yeah. and assurance, and eternity. Tom, you're, you're answering my next question before I ask it. I'm sorry. So the, the Hawaii trip is off. <laughs> I get ahead of myself. Yeah, well, you did get a little ahead of yourself there. And the question was, how does someone, what does someone have to do to be saved? What does someone have to do? And if I thought you, you, did, look, you did a nice yeah. job, but maybe embellish a little. Well, that Romans 10 passage about if you confess their mouth, Jesus, Lord, believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. The bottom line is this. The name of Jesus has power. When we call on his name, we pass from death to life. When we say, Jesus, you are my mediator. It is your blood that washes me clean from all my sins, selfishness, shame, and guilt. And the moment that happens, you step from death to life itself. And it's it's not a long process, Bill. It can happen literally in a short period of time, but it comes to the point where your heart has to submit and say, I've been wrong. I've been a sinner. I need Jesus. I'm carrying way too much shame and guilt. He says he can relieve that. Jesus, I'm calling upon you now like the sinner on the cross. The one next to you who cried out, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Bill, when you do that, it happens. And I've watched people make that transition at the very end of their lives. It is an incredible moment. Mm-hmm. And for some, Tom, there are people that as they're, when they're children, they come usually guided by a parent to come to a place of, of giving their life and their heart to Christ. But an eight-year-old's heart is one thing, and then maybe that child becomes 14, and the 14-year-old's heart has grown and changed, and the 14-year-old might want to do it again. And then an 18-year-old heart is even different from a 14-year-old heart, where you go, whoa, I'm an adult now. I'm a grown person. I want to do it again. And the idea of doing it multiple times is not necessary. I do, however, think that sometimes, as a person's heart grows... They want to grow deeper in their relationship with God. Oh, of course, you know, and 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 you know, I'm you know, I'm a Lutheran, and I've grown up with the, the Reformation. I, I'm very strong on we're saved by grace through faith. Here's the bottom line: I have had people come to me and say just exactly what you said, because I'm a Lutheran. I give altar calls. I tell people they have to personally receive Jesus. I pray with people. We do that a lot. Bottom line is, if they come to me and they receive Jesus when they're eight, but they're now 14 and they want to receive him again, I'm going to get on my knees and pray with them, Bill. And I'm going to assure them they're making the best step of their life. And although they were saved back at eight, 
They're reaffirming now, and Jesus is delighted. And if they want to do it at 25, the angels will shout with glory in heaven, because the bottom line is that person is continually pursuing Jesus, and that is the Christian life. Pursue Jesus from the moment you hear about him to the end of your life. And so I'm thrilled when people do that, and I will support them. But way back at eight, the Lord was already there saving. Yeah, so it's more of an affirmation, in your opinion, because uh, the work of the Holy Spirit already took place at age eight. Yeah, if this person, let's put it this way. I mean, I I'm, love the book of Hebrews, and it talks about can you can you uh, stumble and fall away, and it talks about that language. I don't know fully what that means, but here's what I understand. The Lord is more ready to receive you at any moment in your life than you are probably to give yourself to him. And he was already back there. Here's the good news, Bill. Before you were born and I was born, Jesus already knew us, says mm-hmm. the Bible. Before we're conceived in the womb, he was already addressing who we are and what he wanted us to do and beginning to put into motion all those things that would bring us to that point of salvation. And I can't think of anything better, and I'm all for people affirming that or saying it or praying it again a hundred times if they have to, because I want them to know Jesus really loves them, and what he says, he means, and they can have that assurance. Mm -hmm. So um, a mind outside this world created this world and everything in it, so it should be no surprise that our minds get blown often. Oh, well, we live in a confusing world, Bill. Everything confuses us. Uh, We can't trust much of anything. The media gives us mixed messages. And then our hurt goes to work on us, Bill. And think about it. When I talk to millennials today, that age group, they don't know anything about sin. I don't start with sin. I say to them, okay, tell me how you're doing. Like, well, I'm fine. I'm fine and everything. Well, tell me, how are you dealing with your shame and your guilt? And they stop, Bill. Every one of them understands shame and guilt in their own life. They don't call it sin. But that's what they've got. And then it gives me an opportunity to talk to them about what Jesus has done for their shame and guilt and eventually identify it as sin. But they don't start there. But guess what? At 18, 19, 20, they already got it. I like it. Pastor Tom Parrish is my guest. We're continuing our short series. I call New Friend, Same Seven Questions. And I hope this builds you up in your faith and gives you confidence when you share your faith with others. Because you're going to hear these questions come up in conversation if you haven't already. And you're going to be reminded over and over again, different perspectives and different angles at which to answer these questions, because all my guests uh, bring a little bit of of fresh insight to these great questions with their great answers. So we'll take a break and be right back. We want to pray for you. We all need prayer. We would love to pray for you. The Faith Radio team is serious about prayer, and we pray for specific listener requests every week. Share your prayer requests with us anonymously and securely on our website at myfaithradio.com. Welcome back to the show. Pastor Tom Parrish is my guest, and I'm doing a short series, which will probably end in December, but I'm calling this New Friends, Same Seven Questions, because I want you to uh, have hear it over and over, just different answers to some of the profound questions people will ask you as you share your faith. And Tom, let's pick it up with uh, the next question, which is, uh, we talked about um, the fate of the lost. Let's talk about the fate. What is the fate of the saved? 
And what are we saved? What are we saved yeah. to? It's fun to hear that, Bill. And here's what we're saved to: we're saved to a whole new life now, where our concern for life really becomes other people and the relationship with the Lord, where our resources become a tool to help make that happen, not for us to accumulate and just hold on to till we die. And we are now called children of God, sons and daughters of the King of the universe, and he has literally called us to be his ambassadors of the gospel. So uh, we have an eternal heritage. Eternal life has already begun. We have, we have power and authority, and I want every Christian to understand that and put that to work in this world, especially with the chaos that we see around us right now. Mm-hmm. So what are, we, what are we saved to? We're saved to an eternal relationship with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Matter of fact, John 17, 3, probably one of my favorite verses in the Bible, Jesus says, now this is, is eternal life, that they know you, the one true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. It isn't that knowing. And for those of you that love Greek, that word is gnosko. And it means you are, you are literally connected with the Lord eternally. And, and it's, it's a very much the metaphor used for a husband and wife in marriage. Mm-hmm. There's a connection there that they become one flesh. We are saved, and we are now united with our Lord Jesus Christ, and he is king of the entire universe. And we, have, uh, his, we are called to be his voice and his people, his hands and feet. It's an exciting place to be, and I can't think of anything better. That, I think, is why they call it good news, Pastor Tom Parrish. Oh, it doesn't get any better. Yeah, it does, does not get any better. So can we have assurance of this? Or what if I have some little sin that I commit and then I get hit by a bus? <laughs> yeah, I've been close uh, to that bus a couple of times. Here's the reality. <laughs> The, the relationship with Jesus is not based on how quickly you repented over your last sin. Matter of fact, when you receive Jesus, you literally have passed from judgment to eternal life. That sin is wiped out. Now, when you repent now, when you commit a sin, you're repenting so that you can become more like Jesus in this life, honor him, and display thankfulness. But you're not crying out as a believer now so that, oh, if I forgot that sin, I'm going to go to hell. No, 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 no. You're in a relationship, and that relationship with Jesus is real, and he wants you to know that, and he wants you to have peace about that. My attitude is this. I mean, I repent every day, Bill. I'm constantly telling the Lord, yeah, I had a stupid thought. Yeah, I did this or that. Forgive me. Not because I'm worried about going to hell, but because I want to honor Jesus and live for him. And when you start looking at life that way, there's a tremendous freedom. And if that bus hits me, I hope it hits me hard and fast so I go right into the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Well, I hope the bus doesn't hit you at all, Tom. Um, <laughs> me too. Yeah. But it is um, a thought that people have often as they, of course. as they share their concerns. And the idea of, of a confidence in your eternal security is an important element and an important uh, piece of their relationship. You know what always impressed me, Bill? Back in the 1800s, when the first missionaries went from England and some from the United States and the other places to Africa to bring the gospel message, the first group that went in the early 1800s were almost all wiped out by disease or by war or by, you know, fear of the, the native people killing them. I admire those people, but you know who I admire even more? 
the next generation who went knowing what happened to the first generation. Wow. They knew the odds were against them. They knew many of them would die, but they still went because they so trusted in Jesus and eternal life and what was to come. They were willing to sacrifice their life and at times, sadly, even their children to bring that good news of Jesus to those folks. Mm-hmm. New friend, same seven questions. My guest is Pastor Tom Parrish. You may recognize that voice from Guide Talk as he is a regular on Guide Talk. All right, Tom, um, do we uh, do all who believe move from death to life, and what does that mean? Well, the, the imagery here is this. You're already in death, even if you're breathing and you're an athlete and you can run a marathon. Spiritually, the Bible says you're already dead, just like David said. He was born in iniquity. Now, that iniquity, that sin will hold on to you throughout your entire life unless, unless you receive the Lord Jesus Christ. And the moment you do, not only is that sin forgiven, but now you have moved literally from death to life, and now you can begin living a life that's quite different than the one maybe you grew up with. But now you see your profession, you see your family, you see everything you have, your talents, as a gift from the Lord, now to be used for Him and to be a blessing to others. And as we do that, uh, a lot of the issues in this world could clear up. But unfortunately, it doesn't happen all the time. Mm -hmm. Tom, how about this quote from Marcus Aurelius? I don't quote him very often. Marcus Aurelius, he said, Think of yourself as dead. You have lived your life. Now, take what's left and live it properly. What doesn't transmit light creates its own darkness. Ooh, I love that. My dad was a World War II veteran. He was on Tinian at the end of the war. He was part of the invasion task force. This was August. He said in October, we were all going to invade Japan. He said all of us at age 21 and 22 considered ourselves dead men until the emperor surrendered. And he said, suddenly we had life. And that's the image of the Bible. We're already dead men and women, but Jesus comes to give us life and give us life eternal. Yeah. All right, Pastor Tom Parrish, here's my next question. Has God given us all we need for life and godliness as believers? You know, yeah, I believe that. But here's my problem, Bill, and I can even quote scripture on this one. My problem is knowing how to discern the difference between what I need to live for him and what I want Mm -hmm. to live for him. And because I can't always separate my desires from my needs, sometimes I get discouraged. You know, Lord, if you only gave me a million dollars like some of these other preachers out there, think of all the people I could reach. But he doesn't do that. And there's good reason for that. What I look to is that, like in Second Peter, it says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. And through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence, we have everything you need. Bill, you have everything you need where you are. I have everything I need. The issue is, what are we going to do today with what the Lord has given us to be a blessing to others and represent Jesus? Yeah, so the Lord's not giving you a million bucks, and I just canceled your trip to Hawaii, so things are not looking up for you, Tom Parrish. No, it's, it's going downhill fast. <laughs> I can... Unfortunately, I, I know where I'm going when this world is over. Oh, good. All right, getting down to the last question here. As we submit to him, so die to ourself, will we have an abundant life? Because it seems like when you come to faith, sometimes your life gets more difficult. Oh, that's the truth, you know. Uh, I told you, Bo, one time, the stupidest prayer I ever prayed early in my ministry was, Lord, do whatever you need to do with me to make me just like you. <laughs> and you took me serious. Yeah. And, I mean, I've been battered around. I've been hurt. I've had family members die prematurely. I've had all kinds of issues. Here's the bottom line. The abundant life is not the way. We can't let the world define abundant life. 
If we're trying to find his health, wealth, prosperity, peace, all that, forget it. The abundant life is when you're changing the lives of other people for the good. When you're using your life to give other people life that they've never had before. That's the exciting part. And almost everybody I know, I had a good friend who was a Hollywood actress. She came to the end of her life and she called me. And we talked for quite a while. And she said, I wasted my life in Hollywood because I thought I would have the abundant life there when all I really needed was Jesus in the first place. And it blew me away. And that is that is so true, Tom Parrish. Yeah. When you are apart from Christ, you will live a painfully sorry life. And when you come to faith in Christ, you will have an abundant life, but you may not recognize it the way the world does. And that's why I love John fourteen twenty seven. Jesus says, oh, yeah. peace is what I leave with you. It is my own peace I give you. It, I do yep. not give it as the world does. Do not be worried and upset. Do not be afraid. Exactly. Because he says, take heart, I have overcome the world. And ultimately, Jesus is our destination and our purpose for living. And when we're right with him, Bill, we can live that abundant life here and now. Tom Parrish, you did a great job answering the same seven questions. You are now entitled to a small bowl of ice cream. (laughs) I'm looking forward to it. Good. Enjoy it. Have a great night. Take care. You bet. Pastor Tom Parrish was my guest for my short series called New friend, same seven questions. All right. Thank you, Tom, for that. We're going to take a break. When we come back, I'm going to welcome Dr. Roger Parrott to the show. We're going to talk about the Beatitudes today. I'm looking forward to that. I hope you are, too. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.